welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films, and the people who make them. My name is Ash, and with me I have my old mate Richie. Hi, old mate Ash. Hello, old mate Richie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, mate. What did you get up to? Uh, what have I been up to? Well, that would be a good question, wouldn't it? As technically, you awkward bastard. We are recording in December and have been up to absolutely nothing as yet. But we've just <laughs> ruined the mystique of Christmas Don't and recording podcasts. Don't look behind the curtain. Don't look behind the curtain. There's a little bald man. Um, yeah, so we're recording this obviously before Christmas, as you've probably just realised. But this is coming out after the new year and it's coming out with a bang because we have yes. our first guest. What? <laughs> our first guest on the podcast. Um, so with us today, without further ado, we have writer, director, composer, sound editor, Matthew Fagiani. Matt, Yay. welcome to the podcast, mate. <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for that lovely introduction, and uh, thank you so much for having me on. No, m- more than welcome, more than welcome. Like I said, we're, we're interested in all part, all sides of, of uh, movie making, so it's, it's really the art of audio. It's like a mystic art, isn't it? Mm. It's 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 one of those where it's a, it's a lot more in depth well, than people realise. I I think when, when it comes to vi- film, people people sometimes forget about sound, and sound is as important or or more important sometimes than, than video because people will watch crap video, but they yes. won't put up with they won't put up with bad sound for very exactly. long. Exactly. There's 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 two adages that are absolutely true to this day uh, that are um, I'd say I think sixty percent of what you see is what you hear, which is true. Don't ask me why it's sixty, but that's what my tutors said, and they were absolutely right. And uh, also, like you just said, Ash, um, you can forgive uh, a bad picture, but you cannot forgive bad audio, and that is absolutely true. Like if you watch any movie where you have a slight, you know, sync issue or you know distorted mm. audio, it's it takes you out of the of the scenario, uh, but if you have a bad picture, you know, twenty eight days later, is shot on fucking standard definition cameras. You can't, you know, it, it's you know, yeah. it's handy cam, it's crap cameras. However, that doesn't matter at all because the sound is crisp, it's perfect, and obviously, what's going on on the screen is so fantastically captured. Uh, so yeah, no, you're absolutely right there, mate. So so without so without you guys, you know, in in the in the audio and sound world. Film will be nothing. We'll be, we'll be back. We'll be back to people playing pianos in front of a Would be. Silver, <laughs> silver screen. Nosferatu. So, <laughs> Nosferatu. Yeah. That, that was uh, well, bad. Nosferatu was right. is phenomenally good, yeah. actually. Yeah, I actually saw that at the corner house uh, about uh, twelve years ago with the, that very thing with the pianist at the front, oh, wow. or organist, oh, cool. whatever it was. Yeah, oh, it was really cool, man. It was uh, it was very good, and it took you right back to what it w- must have been like. But you know, it, it was a, it's a, an incredible film, but it did feel like a sideshow sort of thing. You know, it was uh, very low tech. Yeah, we t- we talk about we talk about um, Nosferatu in, in one of our previous episodes, mm. and how even today the actual shot a lot of the majority, it's, shall we say, of the shot setups are perfectly well orchestrated, and it's really, really well still done. Stands. You know, really scary, man. That scene where he uh, Count Orlock is walking into the the bedchamber from a distance, and he's kind of through the door in the shadow, and then he, he emerges into the light. That that still makes my skin crawl, man. Every it's, time I watch it, yeah, and it's things like that that um, influence the horror, horror horror directors of today. People like Carpenter and what have you. When you got the Michael Myers coming out of the cupboard and things like this, and in the original, oh, hundred percent, that all shot that, that's a great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah all that example. sort of thing. Yeah. So, t- well, that this is not about <laughs> Nosferatu. This is a this is about you. I'm telling 
telling people what 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 you do. So do you, do you want to explain more in more detail what you do, and then we'll kind of get to the nitty gritty of how you started and what have you. Yeah, so I, I went to, um, uh, so long story short, I went to university in 2006 and I started there doing, uh, basically wanting to be a musician because I'd been in bands for years previous, being a bass player in, in, in bands, uh, punk bands, metal bands, things like that. And um, and we basically got in there and I thought I'm going to be you know a record producer. That's what I wanted to do because I was very interested in recording from the get-go. I always like enjoyed the recording process and playing all the time. And um, we yeah. did our first uh, class that was uh, to do with film editing and we were given a you know four minute short movie and basically given the dialogue but nothing else and told to fill in the blanks and honestly it was like an epiphany moment i just remember thinking god all this shit isn't already there <laughs> you know it was and it sounds terribly terribly naive but i had no idea that how much work went into a soundtrack mm. you know um footsteps re-recorded audio re-recorded uh, you know adr as they call it which is re-recording voices um because a lot of you know i mean i'd say you know i haven't worked i've worked on a lot of uh, shorts and features now and i'd say at least 90 percent of all dialogue is re-recorded after the fact uh you know some oh, movies wow. okay. it's 100 100 you know the excess mm. the yeah, the, the Exorcist, for example, with 100% of the audio was re-recorded, or so Friedkin says. Anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, so it's it's very much, a, it, was, it was a real kind of light bulb moment. And I literally, in that, I think that class was probably about two months into the course. And I literally went home and went, nope, I don't want to do, I don't want to be a, a record producer anymore. I want to be a sound editor. You know, I want to do this for movies. And it was as simple as that. So what sparked your, what sparked your interest initially then? I mean, that's... You went for this. You went for this course at, at uni. Um, what what kind of drew you into film initially then? Well, I think like like everyone, like you know, grew up in the nineties. We were sort of initially hit with this wave of the the sort of Disney Renaissance. So you know, as a kid, we we watched uh, Disney movies at the cinema. We started with you know Aladdin, Lion King, all these kind of movies. So I have to say. It was probably, you know, watching those movies, you know, over and over again, you know, on on, via, on video, seeing them at this cinema, getting the Happy Meal. That was the sort of exposure to, you know, to cinema to begin with. I think that's probably some of the earliest memories. But also, my household liked movies. There was definitely, like, my dad collected, uh, he was a collector, so he collected records, CDs, mm. um, VHS tapes. You know, The Attic was this row of VHS tapes with you know, written on labels like The Fly and American <laughs> Wealth in London. Yeah, I remember and things those. like that. So, you know, this fascinating kind of, you know, treasure trove. So, and there was books as well. I mean, there was books of, you know, uh, 100 Greatest Movies. The, the, who was the guy who did, um, he was like our Leonard Moulton. You know, he was called, uh, he did film, the film oh. program in the, oh. the late 80s, 90s. Yeah. He was called, oh, what was his name? Gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, but you know that, that yeah, guy know it'll, yeah. come. it'll come back to me in a minute comment put it in the comments yeah 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 and he was he was called Barry Norman oh my Barry goodness yeah. Barry, Norman. Barry, Norman. Barry Norman Barry Norman yes thank and you why not thank you mate yeah <laughs> yes and uh, and so we had like Barry Norman's you know A to Z of film lying yeah. around and there was books on the making of Psycho Hitchcock there was wow, cult you movie really books did have an early Big the inside line, line. yeah, almost. yeah to, it to was all involved. there, you know. It was all, but it was lying around. Jealous. My parents didn't push it on me or anything yeah. like that, you know. But it was just lying. It was just there, you know. Like Monty Python records were there, and you know, stuff for me to discover. So I'm going to try and do the same for my two children. I'm going to try and leave these little breadcrumbs lying around, you know, <laughs> the house, you know, <laughs> just like throw DVDs at them, you know, things like that. But uh, yeah, and that's so. I think uh, that's how I, you know, there was always that feeling that these were something to be interested in, but also the Disney experience 
and uh, there is one thing I'd like when I knew I was coming on the, the the podcast I did a little sort of you know deep dive into my own mind you know what's left of it <laughs> yeah and um there was a guy so when I when I was um when I was very young I used to stay at my grandparents house which was in Scotland a small village in Scotland on the coast and uh, their neighbor was this lovely man called Alan and he was their good neighbor he used to bring over like you know vegetables and things like that you know it was a proper sort of quaint little village yeah, setup. Yeah. And um, and he had this massive VHS collection, basically. And he was, and we, me and my brother used to go over, and we would borrow, you know, he'd, he'd lend us anything. So you know, we would borrow the Back to the Future trilogy. We would borrow America, um, sorry, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, all these <laughs> movies that were kind of like, and and he and he, I think, as much as my dad did, installed that, you know, in, instilled that sense of collection. Like these are things to yeah. be collected and hoarded and appreciated, you know. Hundred percent. And uh, yes. yeah, so that was a real little ritual that we did and, until that that lovely man Alan passed away. But uh, that was something that we used to do all the time. So I, I really am very grateful to him. Actually, he didn't know it, but he I think he really instilled that in my head. You know. Wow. Yeah. So see, it was slightly different for me. My my the, the earliest memory of uh, for me was. Uh, going to the cinema was star wars mm. but the the wow. first time uh, so yeah I, i'm of that age where it's a weak start <laughs> that was a yeah it all went downhill after that mm. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but after that i remember because i've got a love of horror and as i know you do as well and as oh yes she does as well but i remember my mum showing me alien at a far too young age <laughs> to, yeah, wow. same here. um which is now one of my top two films so, um, so when you say showing you alien you mean taking you to see alien no, no it was like mean. it came on tv, on TV. oh right okay and it was in wow. i think if i remember right i saw it in a black and white tv in a caravan um <laughs> and i was watching it there and it scared the bejesus out of me and even now that scene in the vents is absolutely still phenomenally uh, taught i saw uh, that yes before i went to school my mum says oh watch this before I was going to to school, it, it was junior school, so I must have been about I don't know, ten or eleven, I think. Wow! And uh, the chest bursting scene, and then it's like, right off you go. So I'm like, go well, walk into like school, eating your cocoa pops or whatever, and <laughs> then image in my, oh my god, I guess to school, and all my friends are they're talking about that film, they'd mm. seen it. I'm like, what? I've only wow. seen. That. Oh mate, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. Oh, well, I, I'm 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 envious in a way, but however, I'm glad that my parents had a set. There was a sense of uh, conservatism about <laughs> movies. In no, no, and I don't mean that to. to I'm not. I'm, I'm really am jealous in a way. However, they instilled the fact that these were forbidden. These were forbidden items, mm. and and I liked that because psychologically, for me, that meant that these are something to be achieved and to be chased and to be you know to be sort of sought after. That there was one. Okay, I'd have to tell you about this one formative incident in terms of horror because you mentioned horror. So uh, before I mentioned that, you know, my my parents had this attic, like you know, just it, it was basically kind of surrounded by VHS tapes. It was just wonderful, like a sort of like a vault up there and they were just all you know football matches recorded and all that kind of stuff and uh, but one of the tapes i remember very vividly had an american werewolf in london written on it in biro and okay. i remember just getting it you know i was probably eight or something you know so it's like see that you know it's probably about 1996 seven mm. something like that and i remember grabbing it and just saying to my mum mum can i watch this 
And she said, no, absolutely not. No way. Never, ever, ever. So I went, hmm, interesting. Okay, there's, there's something in here. You know, this is, what is this? And then uh, I asked her again, probably about seven times, you know, in the same afternoon. She said, no, no, no. And then it was like, Ugh, ask your dad, you know, when he comes home sort of thing. And my dad came home with his like briefcase and his coat and everything. Mm. And I just said, Dad, can I watch this? And he went, I don't see why not. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was that thing that, and I realize now that he thought it was funny. You know, he yeah. thought it was it was a comedy movie, mm. you know, because he saw it in his in his 40s, you know, and it's like, or in his 30s, you know, and, and I came to it and I thought, great, okay, you know, I'll put this on. I was apprehensive, but I was also like, oh, it's got the approval. So I watched it with about three friends that I sort of invited over, like, I've got this thing, you know, come and watch it. And, and I left after about, 30 minutes I couldn't stand it I was so terrified by it and I would like peek back through the window you know to see oh. and I and this is absolutely true you, do you guys know the movie have you seen yeah. it? very well yeah very yeah, well yeah, indeed. yeah I thought you might I thought you might have done <laughs> and uh, and you know the bit in the in the in the porno theater at the end where the policeman walks in and the wolf rears its head and growls mm. at the camera and he's got blood and everything is standing over this corpse I swear to you I looked through the window at that very fucking moment and I was like, I remember looking through and silently seeing this, I think, and I just petrified, you know, stood. and I couldn't sleep for weeks, you know, and and, and everything. And uh, but that's, I think, you know, and people say, oh well, that's enough to put you off for life. And it's like, no, that that's what instilled that love of yeah. this is a powerful medium. Yeah. This is so powerful. And uh, and then obviously I, you know, kind of worked back into it i watched a little bit at a time and kind of worked well you know got used to it you like you know and uh and it's still my favorite horror movie of all time because it had such a visceral effect on me as a young young child it did it did so, on me yeah. as well it did on me uh, i remember yeah. the, it's the demon scenes the bit where he's the nightmare the scenes. and the nightmare scene mm. they come through as the the nazi demons and that scared that first yeah, with that's... all the horror and all the gore and all the rest of it it's that People in masks just running in, and yeah. it was just horrific for it's me. It's almost Inception, because it's the dream within a dream, isn't it? This yes, yeah, the dream absolutely. Within, and, and you see David is safe in the background doing his homework at the table, and everything's fine, yeah. and they're watching the Muppets, so what could go wrong? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's genius, that movie. It really is. So and, you had, uh, I had no idea it was funny. Sorry to interrupt. I had no idea it was funny. You know, I thought, you know, it was it, it took me years to realise that there was there was humour in it. Mm. But I think that's probably what as a kid that's what lent it this sense of realism is because the the, the, the lads were joking on the moors and they were just acting like normal people. You know, so I think it was like there was nothing about what they were doing that seemed fake or it seemed like, you know, it wouldn't happen to you, you know what I mean? It's like these weren't elevated macho characters or anything. They were just like these two lads on the moors and you know, when they say, Here we are walking away and they're they're clearly terrified. You know, and and uh, so yeah, I, I love that movie. So I think it's that naturalistic dialogue as well that really sells the movie and really sells their friendship and, and the characters as well. Because uh, you get yeah. there's a lot of horror films. Also, you, you had all sorts come out at the time. You had the Howling and things like that that come out at the time. Mm. And it, they're, they're very, very filmic, shall we say? They're very filmic. Where that came over as a very, they're very natural characters in that, and I think that's mm. what makes it scarier because absolutely. It's, it's you know you, you can distance yourself when you, when you can see it's if you're watching a, a horror film obviously you can get pulled in by the good ones but some of them they're done in such a way that it it gives you a bit of separation they're not as powerful but when you've got something we'll probably touch on this I'm sure probably later again but when you've got something as written as well as that and then you've got like John Landis and you he's an amazing director and you've you've got cracking actors all the way through it. 
it just you know it all, it's one of those that just that just sings it probably it, works on different levels the first time that i saw it it was all about the visual the mm. the, the humor the dialogue it didn't really register because i was too young so it was yeah, yeah. that sort of thing it that wordplay the banter for me i, I didn't really identify it was just give me more more wolf i want more wolf yeah because yeah, you, yeah, that's yeah, what you absolutely. want when you but as you but the banter also i was watching it like this like on the edge of my seat so when they were when they were joking i was just like oh fuck they seem really happy (laughs) and they're gonna die in a minute and you know this kind of feeling but no you're right it's like the exorcist in the way that when you so talking about levels and uh, richard the way that you see it the, the exorcist for me has become a different person's story almost every decade that I watch it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So when I watched it as a kid, it was a story about a kid. Yeah. You know, and then when as I get older, it's a story about the the mother, and then it's a story about the the priest. You know, and it's like all these, you know, it, it kind of depends where you are in your life and what you're doing and what your sort of relate your level of relation is to the characters and stuff like that. So, you know, my dad seeing American Werewolf in his thir- late thirties or whatever would have just said you know, it's a great horror movie, but it's really funny yeah. and it's clearly a comedy. It's trying well, it's trying to be funny or whatever, you know. But as a kid, you, you're so kind of petrified that, you know, you can't, you're too petrified to laugh, you know, like he says in Pulp Fiction. You know, it's like that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Did you guys see that in the in the cinema or would you be too young? Oh, I was too young. I saw too it young. Home. Yeah. Too young. Yeah. Yeah. We're old, but we're not that, we're not yeah. quite there. <laughs> not that old. Quite there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was definitely that was yeah. definitely late night TV and in colour, um, so yeah, <laughs> at the time. So 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 you've you've clearly had a a formidable, for, I would say formidable kind of grounding in film from from growing up. So which kind of pushed you into that direction? What what so why why sound then? So you wanted to be a, a music music producer, you said so. Yeah, yeah, I was I was in um so I was growing up listening to Blink One Eight Two and Green Day and, and um System of a Down and these kind of basically when when I was, you know, thirteen, fourteen, there was a a huge wave of kind of pop punk music that became mainstream mm. so like blink 182 and then obviously limp biscuit the new metal boom was a huge thing papa roach limp biscuit these bands became number one in the uk you know they were like it was mainstream music but however we obviously thought we were being super kind of alternative you know <laughs> start dressing as moshers you know and and, and all that because so, you know I, I i love that music i'm not kind of making fun but i realize now that it was incredibly mainstream we thought we were being you know, really kind of alternative. Yeah. We, you know, we, we were to an extent in certain things. But anyway, um, so yeah, I got into bands, started playing in a punk band, loved the bass. I loved, you know, playing the bass and mm. just like doing that and stuff. So it was like, you know, the recording process, I guess it was just something that I'd, I'd purchased equipment. I knew how to record. I knew microphones. I knew that. And then when I realized that microphones could be used for film and it was to do with that production as well, uh, it was the love of film that came from just the upbringing and, and stuff like that. And then realizing that this is, it's basically something that I understood, you know, and it's also something that I was never particularly drawn to capturing images. I was never drawn to cameras, mm. things like that, particularly, you know, I, I just was felt drawn to sound. So I don't know whether it was just because it was something I knew, so it was comfortable or there was something that I loved. I don't know how to really put it because the love was really music and it's in the first place. And I've always loved film scores as well. So, yeah. yeah same with know, both I of guess. us. Yeah, we're a massive film score yeah. fans. Yeah. yeah, I love listening to, you know, I say I listen to classical music. I think it's more accurate to say that I listen to orchestral music because yeah. it's music that is orchestral used in movies, you know, mainly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, if that answers your question. Yes, yes, it does. Well done. Thank you very much for <laughs> that. Thank you. <laughs> Ten points. 
<laughs> so who's your favourite um, um, film composer? Oh, that's I, I think I'd probably Damn, have to hard. say. Oof. He, well, I was going to say Philip Glass because he, he's not technically a, only a film composer. He's done some scores. So he's done, obviously, Truman Show and Candyman and great soundtracks. Um, I love Thomas Newman. I really love Thomas Newman. I'll give you uh, Danny Elfman. I mean, Danny Elfman is... The, the opening to Batman Returns is... I, I could die listening to that music. I think that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, ever heard. You know, that first five minutes with the death of the, the, the penguin getting chucked into the sewer. Mm. I, I just think that is a fucking masterpiece, man. And that Batman Returns doesn't get talked about enough, man. I, I think that is just a genius thing. I really, really do. We'll have you back on. We'll have a big discussion about Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah. Bat, the early That'd Batman films and where, where, where they're at I'll now. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. I'm about to rewatch the the bat the Batman actually with uh, my wife because she's not seen it uh, yet, and I want to get her take on it. Um, do what do you guys think about the Batman? Did you watch it? I thought that was phenomenal. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was. Very I good. liked it a lot. I liked it a lot whilst watching it. When I came away, I didn't. I didn't think it was bad in any way. I don't mean Ooh. that. But when I came away, I thought. There's not the depth of the Nolan movies there for me. It wasn't kind of like, you know, I felt that Batman was essentially the same person by the end of the movie. You know, uh, you know, she goes that way, he goes back to Gotham. It was kind of like, okay, not much has been gained here, I think. But no, I, I, mean, you guys think? I think the character arc of Batman in that film, he's still an angsty, he's still an angsty teenager, essentially, man, mourning, the, mourning the death of his, um, his family. Um, oh, spoilers. Yeah. Oh. oh no! <laughs> yeah. no you said that was a given. That's a um, given. It's a given. Yes, on this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, I, that didn't bother me. What I liked is how they built the story around that. And I don't feel as long as over the, the it'll be a trilogy. But um, I think I think mm. they've already agreed that it's going to be a trilogy. As long as he he does grow over that over those three films, that wouldn't worry me. I think this one was kind of just reestablishing. Th- their universe and i think the other mm. characters had the had the depth and had the um character development where he doesn't i agree with you he doesn't in in this mm. film yeah but at, i quite like but the fact that he is he is the the movable kind of he's batman rock isn't he? all the way he's batman or he's well batman. he's young yeah. batman he's but year he's, two it's, into it's, year it's, one it's, year two batman but. he's batman there's no we've seen enough films of him now to know we know who he is we know it's almost like his arc is like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Yes, I should be doing this. Yeah. That's kind of the arc, I guess, isn't it? He's having a wobble yeah, uh, it, about it. it, it and... Yeah, it is very kind of one note. In I agree in that respect. But the other character, I think, are so well written. You've got, well, they more um, than make up for it, don't they? It's the, the reinvention 100%. of um, the Penguin. Absolutely. I couldn't believe who it was. performance by Colin Powell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, you give people the right roles, man. It's like, yeah. uh, did you see that Diana movie recently with um, who's the tw- who's the Twilight uh, girl called um, Lady? Sorry, what's her name? Oh, Chris Kirsten Stewart. Kirsten Stewart. Yeah. Kirsten Stewart. She played Diana in this recent movie. Uh, it's like you know she's not acted before, and now this now she's acting. You know what I mean? This is great. Well, she hasn't this is, acted like, amazing. before. It's like watching a piece <laughs> no. of furniture on screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she has yeah, two yeah. expressions, oh, and both of them forgiven. are the same. All is forgiven All right, Ash, okay, when you watch okay. this movie. I swear to you, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but honest, anyway, no, I have but, not um, seen it. it's no, the I'll same thing. Same no. thing with Colin as well. You, you know, Colin was just absolutely fantastic, and it was a similar kind of. Uh, well, that's what they said about leap, uh, really. Pattinson, isn't it? It's we all know him from Twilight, but now he's he's done this. 
Is it the? Well, he's done. He's done a number of things though, and he, he's. I think he's proved that he he's can act. He's stepping up. He's got the acting chops. Oh shit! He's... The two Twilighters doing the same thing. I didn't even think of that. So in the same year, they both showed that they can fucking act. Yeah. I never. Yeah. I never. I never put that together. Yeah, that's really good for them, man. <laughs> I, I'd. I'd have said Robert Patterson could act. I've never. Yeah. I've yeah, never being said harsh, Kristen yeah. Stewart. Has, I've never uttered those <laughs> phrases yet. Yeah, because he had the lighthouse before this, didn't he? Which was, yeah, which was superb. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, mm, we, we, let's not go down that path just yet. Uh, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's talk about me more. Let's talk about you. Yeah, it's all about yeah. you, Matt. It is. Yes, it's thank about. you, Ash. Um, so, thank okay. You so, you you left, you, you did your course at uni. Um, so, what, what was the course yes. you did at uni then? What, what was the actual course called? It was called Sound Engineering and Design, and it basically just did what it said on the tin. Really, it was. It was. Um, I'd say it was uh, at the time. It was predominantly music based. So I did do the music stuff. You know, yeah. it was that thing. I was in a prog, prog metal band at the time as well, so I was learning how to play the guitar better than I could because I was kind of. I was a bass player primarily. I joined a, a, a prog metal band as a guitarist, which is kind of mad now. I don't know why. It's one of those weird things where you kind of, you know, I mean, you're not you're not qualified really, but you take the job, and I did it, and my my playing went from like you know from yeah it just went it just got so much better over just it's a short period of time it's only two more strings it's easy I can, I can yeah, yeah. Piece of piece. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and uh, yeah that was really interesting and really fun so that was kind of still into the music you know and doing that and recording music but the the, the film stuff had, had started to really take over my, my mind in terms of like just enjoying those projects but then when I came out of uni, so I finished in 20, let me think, it was probably 2009, 2010. Mm. Um, I basically, it was that what now moment, you know, it was that kind of thing like, oh shit, right. So I've got this qualification. I did well, did reasonably well. And I was like, okay, great. And so I just, I just thought I'm going to make a film because that's what I was why I want to do a film so I can do the sound for it. You know, I didn't know anyone who was making films. So it wasn't like I could say, can I do the sound for you? I had to create my own opportunity. So basically... We um we we started uh, so I just basically I, I downloaded the script for Day of the Dead you know the George Romero movie yeah very well which yeah. is my which is my favorite uh, zombie movie and um and I just copied the form so I looked at the form and thought right so that's how you write a script you know okay cool uh, so then I started writing this uh, zombie story called Red Harvest called it Red Harvest. And that okay. was a that was a as you guys know why I called it Red Harvest obviously I don't have to explain that to you guys so um. Yeah, so I, I and it was just basically the story of two guys who were like trapped in a, in a in a supermarket because I, I was lived around the corner from Morrison's, so that's what I knew. <laughs> and I said, "Where would I? Where would I go in a zombie apocalypse? I'd go there." So I wrote that, and then and then it was basically just about doing a beer run. So they ran out of booze, so they just went to yeah. get some beers, and they came back, I it. and yeah. that was that was. That was the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh did you? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's, it's 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 basic. It's um. But the thing is, I'm really, you know, I, you know, I I could say, you know, it's not it's not very good, and it's you know, it's it's shot really not. You know, I picked up a camera and I filmed that. I didn't know anything about cameras. I just wanted to do the sound, you know. And um. So yeah, so I did that, and uh, and but what I'm really glad about it was it taught me how what not to do. Do you know what I mean? It was it was that thing of like you, know, you do something, so you learn. You, you learn by doing. You learn. Oh yeah, yeah, man. If you don't do it, you know, you know, you can go to all the classes, you can do all yeah. the courses you want, but if you're not making films, you're, you're not, you're not yes. doing it. You're not learning anything, really. Just do um, it, man. Just yeah. do it. And and Carl, and that's when I met Carl, uh, our our mutual friend Carl Whiteley. Yeah. Um, may he rest in peace. Indeed. Uh, because. Yeah. Um, I basically was one day I was working on the film and my wife said, um, 
have you seen this zombie walk thing that's happening in town? You're doing a zombie film. You know, you're into zombies. There's a zombie walk. And I was like, what's that? What's a zombie walk? You know? Mm. And it was that whole thing, you know, it was literally that early. And um, it says the guy's name is Carl Whiteley. Have you, do you know him? And I was like, no, no idea. So I emailed Carl. I just said like, you know, Hey dude, I'm making a film. You're doing a zombie walk. Do you want to be pet? Do you want to be friends? And it was literally like that, you know, so sweet and innocent. And Carl, we basically just started talking about what our favorite, um, Movies went for people who don't know. Uh, Carl Whiteley was a oh god, film producer, writer, entrepreneur. I mean, Ash, you take over. I mean, yeah, you guys I take mean, over. Writer, director. He he was a born producer. The, the guy, without a yeah. shadow of a doubt, he was a born producer. He just, he, he, knew, everybody. he knew everybody. He could bring people together. He brought mm. people together. That's how we first obviously met as well. And we did a lot of work with Carl initially, um, and. The guy is very incredibly talented. He's, he's a very good writer as well. He, he'd, written, he'd written a, a sitcom pilot, written actually a couple of sitcom pilots. Yeah, um, we, we shot one of them, but um, he, he was he was a very good. He was a very nice guy. A very very nice he guy. He would he would he help was. you out. He, he was always there, and he was he was a, yeah. he's he's one of those people that pulls people in. Do you know what I mean? Yes, he yes. pulls people together to to make stuff that he wants to do and yeah. then if you if you need if you needed help on something he he would pull on these res, pull on these yeah. vast i know someone roller decks yeah and that, that was it that's yeah. it man so i i i'll talk about my experience briefly i know you guys you guys probably knew him even better than i did because you know i i knew him uh, i i lost touch with him through no through no argument or anything like that. we just we just kind of didn't work together for the last couple of years of his life uh but for the first couple of years that I knew him, as you guys said, he literally helped me with, I mean, every single project that I was doing for no fee, for no expectation. There was no expectation that he would get anything in return. And it was simple as that. And basically, I made this movie and it went into a competition at his zombie aid uh, thing that he did. And it got judged by, um, what's the guy called? He's Mark Kermode's friend. Kim um, Newman. Uh, Kim Newman, yeah, and that was really exciting because he just, you know, he didn't say it was the best movie or anything. He just said this is this is good and this is bad and stuff. I was like, wow, Kim Newman, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Carl, and 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 it, that was by the grace of Carl. You know, that was that mm. was all to do from Carl. This guy, he was just just kind of said we have the same interests and I am interested in helping you. And then I helped him on his movies and his sitcoms and his stuff doing sound and, and just, mm. you know, carrying, making tea, things like that. And, um, but what, what you were saying about pulling into the, his orbit is that I realize now that when you're in that kind of white hot fury, especially when you're younger and you're passionate about things and you're really getting, I, I was making this zombie film no matter what, you know, I was making it. I didn't care if I did it on my own or not, but I had that confidence mm. to be calling meetings at the bar. I was like, everyone, you know, come down, who wants to be a zombie? Everyone, this is getting made. This, this is Cholton. This is happening. This is our film, blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit. But it wasn't, it was, you know, it, it, I'd never made so many friends than I did in that six months. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because, if you have that level of white hot confidence, as in you're just kind of like in a frenzy, you bring people into your orbit because people respond well to that kind of enthusiasm. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with charisma or anything like that. It's just to do with shit. This guy obviously, you know, thinks this is happening. So therefore it is happening. You know? mm. And, and Carl was exactly the same. It's like, cause he was always, I would go to his house for like a cup of tea and we'd talk about something we were doing and he would pitch me like two more projects <laughs> that he was doing in that the next few Carl, days. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It was like, I'm sure it was the same with you guys, you know. So it was just a, a wonderfully positive, you know. And I think the guy, you know, he had his demons and he had his, you know, he wasn't, 
you know, uh, he was he always said to me like, he, well, he, did, he said to me once that you know this is what I do. I don't really have friends. I just do things. Do you know what I mean? He was like, I just do projects, and that's what my circle is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And he didn't mean he didn't like people. He was just saying I don't really have that kind of sociable sort of you know. He, you know what I mean? He, that, that's how he kind I, of. I know, I know exactly was, what you mean. Yeah, he, he was. He was a. Yeah. Tro- he was a troubled soul, and um, he was a troubled soul. It's probably the best way to put him. But he he was influential he, in a lot in a lot of the filmmaking at one point that was going on in Manchester. He got um, shit done at, 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 the, at the at the lower end, and he he just got stuck. Yeah, as he just got, got shit st- done. That was it. Yeah. it yeah. You knew it. If he was on board, if he was anywhere within anything to do with it. It, it was happening. Yeah. It was happening. He didn't have that. He didn't have that kind of. That's too big a project, or that's too. You know, that's not worth doing. It's like he was just like do, do, do. And my, I remember my mum saying to me like, you know, in probably like twenty. Oh, 2011, You know, when the riots happened mm-hmm. in Manchester, Carl organised a clean up of Manchester. You know, he organized this thing and like my mum said, is that your friend Carl? Like on the TV and I said, oh yeah, there's Carl. And it's like, you know, he got people together to I, clean up the city that. and stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'd completely forgotten about that. But my mum mentioned it the other day and I remember he was on, uh, you know, Good Morning, you know, one of the Good Morning shows on the radio, mm. I think it was. Or some, or it might have been on TV, I can't quite remember. But, but yeah, so he had that. It was like community spirit, wasn't it? It's was like, you know, we're going to do something together. We're all going to do it. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, really even, rare, man. He arranged the zombie walks. He arranged horror conventions yeah. for the love of horror, yeah. which is what it is which is what it is now. Mm. Um, Still going, yeah. He, he, he sold that so he, he could make his feature film and things of that nature as well. Yeah. And, he, you know, he, he was an entrepreneur, like you said. And he was he was like, a, he was a cracking bloke. He was, he was a lovely guy. And it's very sad. And he's very, he's very missed mm. by a lot of people. Um, mm. So you, so you were doing a lot, a lot of work with, around Manchester on local, on smaller films, and would you say music videos down that route as well? Oh, you name it. I mean, yeah. like you were around for a lot of it, Ash, in those early in those early years. So yeah, I did um, the Order sixty Order sixty nine pilot with Carl. Um, I did uh, music videos, did feature films. I did about oh gosh, I think I've done about. 35 short films like you know i've, I've done yeah. i just basically took everything that was going you know and um started you know building up so you know, making money from it and then started making more money and like asking being you know at first when i was doing that i was like i can't get paid for this this is just too much fun it's so I much fun to do too much. <laughs> i enjoy it too much you know but you know i remember carl saying to me carl saying things like you know back to carl again but him saying like you know you should get paid for this man this is like you know you're doing good work it's like really you know this is just like really fun so like the first couple of years i was felt like a bit of you know very charitable but then i thought no wait a minute i bought all this equipment you know mm. anyway so started to make it into uh, more of a job, and then like. Um, so how did you make that? So for for people listening that that might want might be starting out, say in 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 the industry, the best way to to do it is to just do it, to do just it. to go out yeah, and, yeah. and just yes. and just get involved in in the local filmmaking community. But um, and so you find them on social media, they're all over the shop. But the step from that mm, to, to being paid is not always is not an easy step. It's, it's quite a large bridge to kind of go across so how how did you find that then how, how did you how did that happen for you well i think it, i think it's it's simply credibility so i think that you know as we said before the you know when we we're talking about podcasts like you know and sort of get, gaining momentum you know you shouldn't be expected to be paid for your first job that you do with you know with your budget equipment but however you know once you get 
you know, a couple of short films under your belt, then you can start asking for money for travel, money for transport, you know, then you start saying, well, my time's worth five pounds an hour, or mm. it's worth 10 pounds an hour, then it's worth 12.50 an hour. And, so, and it's like, the, at the end of the day, like, you know, people will say no, I've been denied, you know, I've said, oh, we can't afford that. Like, oh, that's fine. You don't worry about it. You know, but I'm not going to lower my prices just because you can't afford it. That's, that's, that's just, you know, that's fine. I understand that. You know, I've been in positions where I've not been able to pay people for their for their uh, services and so i've hired someone younger who'll do it for free mm. like you know i understand it however when i've had projects that i have had a budget on then i've been able to hire people with more experience and better so mm. i think it's that thing of like expect to be rejected you know it's it's fine to be rejected don't worry but i used to have huge troubles with rejection and stuff like that. you know when it came to like film work or if someone said i don't like your audio i don't like what you've done i said that's that's fine you know i understand that you know and, and i and it used to hit me quite hard because I, I i think i kind of went into it thinking i was fully accomplished and then i realized no no you know you're never fully accomplished you can always learn something there's always something you're always. only as good as your last yes. film aren't you exactly and like john carpenter was fired from his next project after the thing i'm sure you guys probably know because the thing was regarded as a failure, it was a failure the yeah. thing you know the fucking thing <laughs> was regarded as a failure the best Do you know what i mean the best <laughs> fucking monster movie out there yeah is the thing and it is for not and the, the effects work by Robotin and the, the story the pace it, it is Every, nothing everything wrong about with that it film. is just spot on well the spider head slightly is a bit creepy now yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. not, that, yeah. that's the effect that doesn't hold up but the rest of them but that's like one effect one yeah effect. yeah no, I know what you mean and it was yeah, a complicated yeah. but effect no, uh, it's a mechanical effect but the rest of them absolutely phenomenal work on that film and it's still a fantastically taught thriller well it's um, I actually yeah. heard I actually heard the other day Kind of going off topic, ever so that that they are maybe making a sequel with Carpenter. Ooh, what, with Carpenter! Oh my God, he's going to put his guitar down and he's going to start like <laughs> yeah, making movies again. He, he might not be directing, but he's definitely um, involved in the writing and the producing. Oh wow! I, I, saw an I hope he does. Like, I need. I need to. I'll have to, is, I'll have to um, Google it. Google he's it. a great guy, man. He's a great mm. guy. Like from the sounds of it, he's so kind of unpretentious. That's what I love so much about Carpenter. Is like he, you guys have probably heard it, but he was talking about how like he David Cronenberg looked down his nose at him and he just thought, "Fuck you," and he just like <laughs> left him to it. You know, he's like, "I'm not interested in these horror conventions and being a master of horror. I don't give a shit." Like, and I just thought, do you know what? Good for you, man. Like, if anyone's gonna like, I love Cronenberg movies. Don't get me wrong, but you know, if someone's gonna you know look down the nose at you, just like he seemed to have that very kind of you know blase attitude yeah. about fame and fortune you know and all that kind of stuff like yeah, you know, he's, he's so, very yeah. laid it's very laid back he we is. went to see him in concert didn't we Richie yeah, yeah. did when you he, see that when yeah. he did his yeah. tour yeah he came to the, wow. I think the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, Manchester and it, not the best venue for him no. really it was a bit cramped no. but he was, it he was, was really awesome concert. the venue not yeah. so much but yeah, it was a bit. Yeah, I heard about that. I got a bit of a bad, uh, bad rep that gig, didn't mm. it? Because of the, because um, of the overcrowding. But that was a new venue yeah. at the time, and uh, I went to see uh, Machine Head a couple of years late, later at that venue, and they seemed to have sorted it out. You know, there was lots of space, and everything yeah. was cool. Yeah. And it was probably just over capacity, wasn't it? Like but that. yeah, but, I'm a massive. I mean, again, it's in, it's right up there in, in, in my top films. The thing I absolutely adore the thing, mm. and um, Richie, Richie does. I uh, yeah. Well. So, I collect soundtracks on LP, and I'll be honest, I've got. Far too much carpenter. Wow. I've got a whole. <laughs> Have you got the Halloween soundtrack on LP? Oh. Soundtracks. He's got a, a <laughs> multiple versions of yeah, the same one. Yeah, I've got wow. fucking Christine, uh, The Thing, multiple versions of that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. How, how, how many Halloween soundtracks do you own, Richard? Of, of Halloween. Of Halloween? How many versions? Which, which one? Which Halloween we're talking? 
The original one. Original. Yeah, the original. Two. But how, how many Halloween soundtracks do you own, though? Uh, oh, Christ. Double figures. Double figures. <laughs> I love the way we say, like, you know, two Halloween soundtracks isn't that many. You know, it's Double like, figures. it's still like, wow. It's if the same you have soundtrack. one, that's amazing. <laughs> Double yeah. figures. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, the fact that you have one is amazing. You know? No, but um, yeah, he's got, he's, he's got, he's got many, d- many. Double many, figures. Many, many. I've, I've got far too many. Good for uh, you, man. No, I the sound, that's no, great. I I've, I've the got audio. just enough. <laughs> <laughs> you've never you go. got enough that's what that's what you tell your wife uh, there's never enough but um to yeah to answer you to continue to sort of finish your question i think yeah. that you know it is that thing of first of all you know expect criticism expect to, re- to be rejected so don't just 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 put that out of your mind don't worry about that that's going to happen do you know what i mean get on with it do what you want to do expect that it's going to be you know a slow beginning but once you get momentum it's, it's that thing like there was a meme I saw recently, but I thought it rang true. It's like, you're not paying, you know, if, if, if a builder comes in and knocks in a nail, you're not paying them to knock in that nail. You're paying them for the 12 years they've been spending fixing things and mm-hmm. knocking in thousands of nails. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's that thing of they're, they're, you know, respect yourself enough to say, you know, you've worked, I've worked for 12 years doing this. Do you know what I mean? And accumulating equipment, spending my own money, spending my own time doing this stuff so just yeah just have respect for yourself and just you know set your prices you know just keep stick to I your guns underva- yeah stick to your yeah. guns don't yeah. undervalue don't, don't undervalue yourself either that that's the thing yeah I mean, everyone starts out as free everyone has passion projects and things like that where you know that you want to you want to just get done and that's when you pull your friends together and mm. you know and if, if you working for exposure is the uh, yeah it's the buzzword isn't it it's exposure yeah. but then Exposure, it doesn't pay the bills, it doesn't put food on the table, and that's when you've got to, like what you and did. Depending make on that... the exposure, you could end up in court. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get three squares a oh, day yeah. and yeah. a roof over your head for yeah. free. Oh, that sounds fine. <laughs> Don't go down that route, folks. <laughs> but, um... I got a... Um... I've got an example to give you that I've just remembered. That's the kind of basically is just exact what I'm talking, you know, what I'm talking about. Basically, um, about some five years ago, I got an email from a company in Media City that was doing audio books, and they uh, said, you know, how much do you charge for 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 you know doing audio and stuff? Because I'd been blanket email. That's another thing, blanket email. Just email everybody. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody. Email people who are doing sound. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to do. You know, just blanket email, 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 everybody. Just, you know, and then expect to be ignored, expect to be blah, 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 blah. I, I emailed this company and they came back to me and they said, how much do you charge for audio editing? I thought, oh, great. You know, response. That's cool. You know, so I, I set my price and they said, that's a little bit too high, but thank you very much. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe call you again mm. sort of thing. And I, and at the time I was a bit like, oh, maybe I should lower my fee. And and I and my friend was with me at the time, who's very savvy, and he was just like, "Nope, don't do it, leave it, don't touch it," you know. And I was like, "What? What do you mean?" He was like, "Don't do that, dude. Just leave it the way it is." And I was like, "But I could really use the work, you know." And like, no, no, don't do that because they will fucking they'll look down on you for that. And I was like, at the time, I was like, "Ugh, if you say so." And I anyway, so I left it, and then a year and a half later, I got a call back offering me work from the same company. So go. it's like, and they went. They in somewhere in their mind they they probably thought this guy's serious, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think it's that thing of like you will, yeah, you know, you'll have difficult times and stuff, and you might, you know, I mean, have decisions like that to make. But ultimately, you've just got to fucking stick to your so guns. So it's you know? having the confidence and belief in yourself and your own ability. 
is what you're saying. Yeah, I think so. Mm. You know, and it's not like you, you know, you think the, the you think the world revolves around you or anything like that. It's just the fact that you know, uh, you know, and if people are rude to you on emails or whatever, you just say, well, thank you very much. You know, no problem. Mm. Click. Mm. You know, done. It's just just leave it. it. It's not nothing's worth tussling about. You know, it just is what it is. You know, and just kind of get on with it. And I'm, I'm I'm saying this very blasé. It's taken me years to get to this position because I was yeah, quite a, you yeah. know, sensitive character growing up. You know, whatever. But it's kind of like. You know, I've just realised when you get to a certain age, you just think no one knows what they're doing, and uh, you know, everyone can go fuck themselves. You know, that's my. Uh, the thing is, as well, with look, once once you do get in, and they do get to know, and they do get to like you, and they trust your work, you they keep. It's, it's, it's the same with all. Yeah. I mean, look at you see a lot of big filmmakers, Fincher and um, Nolan. They keep the same people around yeah. for a reason. And if yeah. you get on, and you know you prove your worth, you prove that you you know you're you're worth your asking price. You're gonna get asked yeah. back, and you get asked back. Your reputation builds, and then that that's how you kind of progress on. Yeah, and, and it's not personal. It, Don't take it personally. No, I think that's the thing. You know, it's like it's very easy to to see it as a personal attack. You know, and it's really really not because you think to yourself, how many people blanket email these people every day do you know what I mean it's like to get that's why I'm I'm always grateful for any kind of callback that I get or anything like that you know it's just uh, it's a privilege your love of film then it's very clear as as we as as we have our love of film as we well we're on the I, same page we are on the same page <laughs> Indeed. As, as far as sound design in film then um what film kind of sticks to you sticks out to you as the sound design is absolutely oh my god amazing that you would well, like the to ones work on, that, that I'd like to work on. Um, I think that's probably two different things in my oh, mind, really, on, in terms then. of what I'd like. Well, actually, no, that, no, sorry, I, I take that back. I'd love to have worked on Alien Three, and I love the sound for Alien Three. I think that the every single scene in that, but especially the opening and Newt's, Newt's autopsy scene for people mm. who've spoiler <laughs> people who've seen the movie. Newt dies. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry <Fuck>. guys. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Um, that, uh, the, the, that is a masterpiece like in terms of like sound design, uh, because for not only is all the sort of the, you know, the, 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 the the sound and the sort of the cuts and the snaps and the explosions and the, you know, the space noises and the capsules and all that stuff is just so crisp and clean and sharp and it comes out at you. But also the the music that um, Elliot Goldenthal did is so kind of meshed with the sound design, as in you can't really tell where one ends and the other begins. It's kind of like a beautiful blend, which I think shows that the two departments were just working so well together you know i don't know who influenced who you know who mm. was the, the the person to set the tone but uh, so i think it's that thing of not only is the sound design on its own uh, brilliant and and probably the best but the music also slots in like a jigsaw piece it's just kind of a perfect amalgamation and it becomes part of the film i mean some soundtracks you could probably take away and, and, and remove and, and put something else in and the film still Still the same, but with things like that, and I, I, I would, I would quote Alien. And, um, sorry, apologies, not Alien. Um, Blade Runner in this as well, where yes. Vangelis's soundtrack and the sound design on that film are so kind of like you say, they're, meshed they're together. Intertwined, aren't they? So, so much. You could almost like lose the sound design and have it's like it's a silent movie, isn't it? With mm. that soundtrack, it's and a sound it would escape, work. It? it becomes <laughs> a soundscape. <laughs> More than a soundtrack, I think, and I think Absolutely, yeah. that's where the great, that's where the bigger movies and the best movies st- stand out. So, what are you, what you're working on at the moment, then? 
So I basically kind of gone into, well, well, I've got a project actually that I'm very excited about, which I'm working on. Uh, I'm genuinely, I've genuinely moved to podcasting. That's kind of what I do because, because uh, I've got two kids now. Uh, I basically thought I need to be able to do the work from home because I was doing a lot of boom operating and a lot of kind of onset sound and things like mm. that. That required like a lot of traveling and it was being away a lot of the time, blah, blah, blah. So I basically, I built myself a podcast studio and I started the uh, Matt and Mike Paul Focus podcast with my, with my co-host, uh, Mike Dunn. Um, we, uh, that's, that's a whole story in itself. I'll tell you a little bit about how that got started. But, um, and, and, and basically, I've yeah, been doing my own, I do two podcasts. I do Matt and Mike Paul Focus and I do uh, the Daddy Day podcast, which is actually a child development podcast with my son, Luca, who is um, four and a half years old. And that's been great because he's such a little character. It's like, you know, you know, we talk about shoving a mic in front of it. It's like he hmm. he really loves that outlet and he's so funny and, and he's he's a, he's really, really great. And um, so that's been really fun. Um, but I'm also working on a, um, a feature documentary called Finding Ford, which I don't know if you guys might have heard about. It's quite big on, on the socials and stuff like that. Um, no, it's uh, basically, it's directed by um, by Paddy, who's basically like a Manchester, he's kind of, he's big into the Manchester music scene as well, actually. He's like a musician first turned filmmaker. Mm. And it's basically, uh, I can't tell you too much about it because I, there is something very interesting that happened uh, involving uh, the actors in Indiana Jones movies early on in the production. But it's essentially a documentary about Harrison Ford and about his films and his life and blah, 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 and what he means to Paddy, the, the director. Um, I'm working on that as the sound uh, editor, and we've um, interviewed lots of people already on location, which has been really, really fun. Oh, wow. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you all about it off air, but I can't really spoil <laughs> anything because Paddy will kill me. There's a very interesting turn of events that happened very early on in the production of the, of the film. Uh, so that's sort of the main feature film that I'm working on at the moment. Uh, and I've also just got a contract to do a podcast with uh, Manchester Children's Charity as well, uh, which is really fun. So, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm busy. That. That, that sounds great. Thank Thank you very much. So the film's, you, the film's yeah. called Finding Ford, and that when yeah. when are they looking to lock filming and get it edited and out? So people We're still can find shooting it. So at the moment. Look. It's it's in production at the moment. There's so much on the socials. So if you go on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, it's uh, Finding Ford. Um, check it out. He's constantly posting updates on what's been happening and stuff like that. Uh, and there's plenty of pictures of the actors that we've been. Uh, we've been interviewing. We interviewed uh, Wolf Carla, who's the uh, guy who played um, the, the main sort of Nazi baddie from the first one, from the from the. the oh, who played the, the guy with the glasses? Uh, not not him, but his kind of right hand man. Ah, he's kind yes. of a bit taller. He's got like a blonde hair. Uh, he was very cool, proper gentleman. And for me, the one you guys will love this. We interviewed. Um, Michael Carter, you know the guy who plays uh, American Werewolf. He's on the tube. Oh yes. In, um, oh you know, oh yes. Yes. You know oh, that wow. guy. And he also okay. played Bib, Bib Fortuna as well. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. You know, uh, and he was uh, he was really great as well actually. And and so so yeah, it's been it's been. I mean, you guys would love this because it's like fanboy stuff. You know what I mean? You have to. <laughs> I have to sit there with the sound record and and try not to scream you know i'm like i'm so excited about this you know it's like really great and and when they make jokes i start to laugh and i'm like i can't laugh because i'm recording the sound so it's like it's been a real lovely 
job actually i mean it's probably the best the, the most enjoyable job that i've ever had on a film so it's been really really fun and and we might possibly be getting warwick davis and anthony daniels but i'm not too wow. sure well, that's, well, that's well, definitely well, that. that's on the cards so yeah thank you no. so uh yeah Big all's deal. good that sounds good so they find that all over the socials um mike and matt pull focus where can where can people find you on that I'll have to correct you there, Ash. It's Matt, Matt and Mike. Matt and Mike. Paul Focus. Apolo- around, of course. <laughs> Clearly, you are yeah. the you are the main guy. Mike, who is this Mike person? <laughs> who is that guy? Who is yeah. that guy? The guy yeah. who likes the Last Jedi, you know. Yeah, let's. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he deserves second billing. It's as simple as that. Who'd have him if, if you like the Last Jedi? Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, he's no Mike's a he's a top bloke. He's he's fantastic. I'm really he was um, someone I used to work at the, the cinema in Manchester, and uh, he was basically the one sort of friend that I took away from from that job. He was uh, he was my guy in that job. He was such a down to earth great guy i could do a whole podcast about that job alone it was it was insane but uh, but <laughs> we'll he was back. he was a real yeah yeah he was, he was a real real standout stand-up guy and uh yeah great friend and, and a new friend you know when you meet a new friend you kind of like you know you've got your friends from childhood like but then you kind of mm. meet someone in your 20s and you're like you know this is weird like we're fast friends you know it just kind of happens like that and uh, that's what happened with me and mike so uh because mo- most of most of my close friends i've known since i was you know a very young kid mm. so it's quite nice when you meet someone later in life and you think oh yeah we really we really click so um yeah i hope he feels the same <laughs> yeah this this could be yeah. awkward maybe right richie yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get we'll get in contact with him and see what he yeah. says about matt yeah we'll see we'll see so where, where can they find matt and mike pull focus then so um you can find us on Acast, you can find us on spotify and you can find us on youtube so and we're on uh twitter twitch uh mike also runs um an instagram as well sorry uh mike also is an avid twitch streamer which i don't really understand what all that's about but he he plays computer games and people watch him and give him lots of money so yeah that's uh oh, that's good skills that if, he, if he's um yeah, yeah. what's he play what sort of stuff does he play he, he, every he, everything really resident evil he plays uh super mario 64 he plays all these games and uh yeah people he's got hundreds of followers like he's doing really really well uh it's really i, I try and support him on it and i you know i'm really happy for him but it's it, i don't have enough time to play computer games myself let, let alone <laughs> watch someone else play them you know so i try and log in as often as i can but uh, yeah yeah but you've got top billing in the podcast and you're, you're, yeah, it's, it's yeah. you that come into here you've got other <laughs> stuff to be honest <laughs> yeah they no, can watch it. him over there they can listen to you you're, you're dealing with you're finding ford you know i'm finding ford there yeah i'm go. doing my thing over here and yeah that's and, it and i'm interviewing real people coming up. you got your other stuff coming up as well so that's that's really good so again are, are they on acast and yeah same channel and we actually share the youtube channel with the uh the the the, the daddy day podcast i'm really excited about because it's just it was something that we did when luca was um when he was kind of between uh nursery and reception and it was like in the summer and it was something that we, we always had Fridays off together, which was really nice. So I thought like, you know, let's go in the studio and we'll do something. And he just became a natural. And, and it's amazing how quickly kids get the idea of what they're doing, if you know what I mean. They mm. get the idea of cut, let's do that again. Mm. You know, let's let's do that. You know, they really understand the format very quickly. You know what I mean? You think that, you know, kids are kind of like away in their own world. But, you know, when you explain technology to them, they they catch on very very quickly. It was, it was it was fascinating, and um, little sponges. Yeah. 
They yeah, learn a, lot, a lot, learn a lot quicker than us old dogs who've been well, around fucking ages. Let, let's not forget, we <laughs> were the it. ones who programmed the video recorders. Oh, mate, that's you, know the, I mean? you can't take that away from your generation, man. Jesus Christ, that's like the fucking space program. Series <laughs> <laughs> Link, I shit all over you. I'll tell you now. Program a VHS recorder. There's no Series Link then, was there? I programmed the. Vi- I program. I used to program our video. At home. Oh I was God. the only one who could do it. No one else wow. could. What a skill. You still use it, don't you, Richie? I do. You've not moved on. I do. <laughs> In fact, I don't use video. I, I hand draw each scene, each frame. <laughs> Storyboard it. Yeah, and, and then flick it back. <laughs> With a candle. Uh, right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there before it goes Rack even more up. random. So, thank you very much, Matt. Yes, thank you, Especially, Matt. Well, Matt, for being our first guest. Yes. Big round of applause. Oh. Thank you very much for, com- for coming what on. A, what a privilege, guys. Like, I don't take this for granted at all, being asked to do these things. And so I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And it's a lovely to meet you properly, Richard. I know we've met many, many years it ago, was. but it's been a long time. So, yeah. So thank you very much, guys. I really I can't thank you enough. Nope. No, and it's uh, it's been great. It's been great having you here. And good luck with with all your yes. upcoming projects as well. Keep an eye on them. Finding we court. will. That, that, sounds, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, you guys totally Certainly. up your guys' street, man. You'd love that. And uh, good luck with the podcast. Yep, cheers, buddy. Thank you very um, much. Cheers. And then that piece of sliced fried gold will end it there. So if you fancy a bit of more diabolical film banter, then like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Also, if you like us talking bollocks about film, or just talking bollocks, maybe about film, maybe not. And if you want to get something <laughs> off your chest, send us a question and you never know, we might even answer it on the show. You can find us on your friendly neighborhood podcast app and all the interwebs. Just search for the Diabolical Film Show. So that just leads it for me to say thanks for listening and see you later. And for me, till next time, tutty bye. <laughs> <laughs>